Hello, and welcome to the Smarketing Podcast, where we take a deep dive with our incredible alumni to talk all things marketing and their career paths with a silent spin. I'm your host, Jenna Callen. Let's talk smarketing. All right. Thank you for coming to another episode of Smarketing. We are joined by Pablo De Rosas, a 2000. 2000- Simon grad, and he is presently a large enterprise relationship manager at LinkedIn. Welcome. Hi, thank you. I, did, I didn't know the podcast was named Smarketing, but uh, now I'm even more excited to be It is. It's a marketing segment, but we usually shorten it down. I think it might be rebranded as just Smarketing. Um, <laughs> Got it. Right in print with the SMA bowl. Um, sure. Thank you for joining us. So thank you for having me. Can you tell us a little bit about who you are? Yeah, so my name is Pablo DeRosas. I've been in the sales industry, sales tech data industry for about 12, 15 years now, but I didn't start in this industry. I pivoted after Simon um, well, before and after Simon, Simon was the, the major pivot, but I was I started my career in public relations um, after attending Geneseo in Western New York. Um, public relations was an interesting start to any career. I think agency life in general is a very interesting place to be for a, a fresh college grad because you get exposed to a lot of different things, um, a lot of strategies, a lot of different just priorities in terms of product development and brand reputation and how to communicate those things. So that was a really interesting few years that I spent there. My initial roles were in crisis management and then in strategic planning and research. And then after that, I pivoted to a into the sales world where I started working at Getty Images, which was purely advertising and branding. And then to eMarketer, which was all things data and research oriented. Um, after eMarketer, I quickly realized that I reported to three people at the company and all three of them had their MBAs and I didn't. So it was pretty clear that the ticket into the next room was that path. So I started for programs that would... A, helped me transition from a data uh, and kind of quantitative mindset, which was something that I didn't have in my undergrad experience, um, which Simon's obviously very strong in. Um, and I wanted to, to have a program that was in the Northeast um, and relatively close to home so I could manage kind of my work-life um, uh, balance a bit more effectively. So Simon was a perfect fit because I'm from Buffalo, go Bills. And I was able to... Uh, focus on brand management and strategy. Um, from there, I went to Experian, a big data house as well, um, then into a startup, and then into LinkedIn, where I am today. So a little all over the place, but the common thread has been always on the kind of branding reputation management side, but just managing those things and those relationships from a lot of different perspectives and a lot of different like entry points. Oh, that's fantastic. Thank you for walking us through that. We um, had an event yesterday and we were talking about how 
so often the main things in marketing that are brought up at Simon are brand and product management and that it's great to see the different areas outside of that, even within marketing and how you can cross them over. So we are glad you joined us. Not there's anything wrong with brand or product management, but just making sure that students know that there are so many different areas across the board. Um, so I, I think that brand management is a very obvious um, direction for an MBA to take if they want to enter marketing. Um, but I think that there's a lot of other areas as well within companies, within brands, within agencies that that, um, that use the same toolkit um, that aren't necessarily brand. Um, so I think that's always good to kind of lift your head up and see the entire field and say, where else could I go with this same skill in the marketing function um, that isn't necessarily brand management? Absolutely. Um, is there anything that surprised you about Simon, good or bad, when you got there? Oh, man. Um, I, I mean, I knew it was going to be hard going in, um, and I knew it was going to be a lot of information that I previously hadn't studied and I previously wasn't exposed to going in. So like I wasn't a business major in undergrad. I didn't, you know, I'd never taken an accounting course or anything like that. Um, so all of that was just kind of new. Um, and I think that what surprised me was just, just how many people went to Simon that weren't, that maybe were dead set on what they thought they wanted to do. And then how many of them changed their minds like halfway through? Um, I think that that was something I was like, oh, I don't have to come in here and have a absolutely mapped out plan of exactly what I want to do um, because everybody here who thought they knew what they wanted to do has already pivoted. Um, so I think I was surprised to see that I wasn't alone in that uh, aspect. There's always just the comfort and the fact of knowing that everyone kind of has no clue what they want to be when they grow up at Simon. Yeah, and I, I think that we all kind of got there and we thought that we were adults um, and we thought that we knew what we were talking about and knew what we were doing and we tried to act like it for a bit. And then all of a sudden we quickly realized that we had no idea what we were talking about um, and that there was a lot that we had to learn still. Um, professors and other students and just kind of the entire internship search made everybody pretty aware of that pretty quickly. Um, so that was a, a unique experience, one that definitely I, I value. Um, you know, I talk about my, when I went to Nishimba in Chicago, um, my experience there was like, unlike anything that I'd ever gone through before um and it was so fast paced and so just um intense that i i walked out of that and i was like wow that was basically like a that conference was like a year of work experience for me um <laughs> and it was uh, it was, uh an eye-opening um endeavor so i was really happy to do that um so at the pro spanica uh <laughs> conference formerly known as Nishimba. Um, my interview process with uh, Procter & Gamble was, uh, and you might've gone through a similar one. Um, you had to go up and give a, a 
30 second pitch of who you were and what your background was. Um, and then from there, if they liked your pitch, then they took your resume from your hand and read it over. And after that, they handed it to somebody else who you had to do a five minute pitch of your background and then they read it over. And then from there, you did a 20 minute and then they read it over. And then from there, you did a panel for an hour with three people and then they grilled you. And then from there, you got invited to a party and you had to, and you had to, you know, network with people um, and have drinks. And then from there, I had to take a test um, and that had to be supervised on campus and timed. And then from there, I had to wait for my offer or not. Um, so I went through all of the phases. Oh, and in between there, I had to go to a computer and take an online uh, IQ for an hour um, and oh, then pass yeah. that. And then the like back. mental games. <laughs> right. Which was, which was fun. And then, so, I mean, just going through that entire process um, made me really uh, appreciate how just buttoned up everything had to be um, and how you need to be able to tell your story quickly and effectively and clearly so that it would resonate with whomever was reading it, like just in front of you for the first time. And I think that that type of skill is also applied to any client meeting, any sales call, any, you know, new business pitch, um, just being able to distill years of experience and knowledge into five minutes and have it be impactful. That was something that I walked away with and said, okay, I, there's a lot of work I need to get done here. Um, so that was a, that was a major learning experience for me when I was there. Yeah. So now they make you do that IQ test first and they won't talk to you unless you pass their computer IQ test. Well, technically that was the case for me. Um, I, he said, hold on, we, we can't find you in our system and we can't advance you until you pass this IQ test. They're like, sorry. And I was like, can I take it right now? And they're like, if you want to. So I, I went and sat in a corner and took it. And then I came back to the guy and I said, can you look up my score? Um, <laughs> and okay, you, you did great. And then he passed and then he moved. Um, so it was, uh, it was definitely one, one of, one of those where I was like, well, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm here now. I'm not going to reschedule this or go through this process again. Right. So. Wow. Congratulations. I uh, did not pass it. So I've got that going for me. Um, <laughs> well, my, my parents are so proud. Um, well, that's fair. I, di I didn't get an offer at the end of the day from Procter and Gamble because I, I became I, uh, I had an offer in hand from Unilever, um, and I was, um, I was, uh, I was trying to. Unilever was asking me for a response, and I was waiting to hear back from Procter and Gamble on whether or not I got a response from if I was going to get an offer from them. Uh, so I called them up and I said, look, I've got an offer in hand from one of your competitors. Um, I would just like to know if I, uh, if I'm going to be taken on as an intern or not. And that was a risk. And, uh, they were just like, okay, sounds great. Maybe you should take that other offer. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so 
um, you know, you, you weigh you weigh those risks versus rewards and you take a chance and that one didn't pan out, but. So did you intern at Unilever or did you go elsewhere? I interned at Unilever, yeah. It was a brand management internship at Unilever. Can you tell us about that? Did you like it? What brand were you on? Um, yeah, so I was on the Dove Men Plus Care line. Um, it was the year after they had launched. Um, so they were trying to solve for, um, you know, velocity on certain SKUs. So why were some SKUs selling faster than others? And why were some more popular than others? And was it the bar soap that was the better seller or the, or the soft soap or what, or whatnot? So my, my goal was how to increase the velocity of the large pack uh, bar soap uh, packages. So 12 bars, bar, 12 bars at a time type of thing, how to make the sell quicker. Um, so that was like, that's when I started to realize for me um, that brand wasn't for me. Um, I just couldn't passionately say, this is extraordinarily important for me to fix. Um, and while the company was amazing and the people were, were super intelligent and the, the environment was awesome, I was just like, I, uh, I can't sink my teeth into this and like be effective. Um, so that's when I started and then I went back to Simon. Well, I actually, I studied abroad in the, in the fall. I went to Buenos Aires and I spent uh, my fall semester of second year there, um, and while I was, you know, dancing tango and drinking red wine and going to soccer games, I started to figure out what I wanted to do. It's really just uh, a matter of how do I get back into what I was previously doing, which was sales and what I had really enjoyed doing, but how do I do it from a more strategic uh, data focused uh, uh, mindset? So I started to look at roles that were very much and aligned with new technology and and uh digital branding and brand amplification and all of that so that's what led me onto the path that i would that i eventually have stayed on since simon so very nice did it surprise you that you wanted to go back to sales or had you always kind of considered that that was going to pop up again in your life it actually surprised me that i wanted to go back um sales is not a a role for everybody. Um, and it's one that can be very um, uh, stressful and exhausting and it takes up a lot of time. And, um, but it's, I always like to say it's like golf. Um, people spend a lot of time working on their swing and being out on the course and they usually don't play very well, but when they hit that one good shot, it keeps them coming back. And that's pretty much what this uh, what this career path is. Every now and again, you close one really great, uh, unique deal with the company that took months to develop and took months of uh, value building and product alignment and 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 strategy. And and when you get through it, you're like, wow, that that was amazing. Um, so that's that's what I love about it. Um, but it's. Uh, you know, again, it, it takes a while to get to that point. It's not just dialing for dollars. Right, right. 
the golf analogy makes sense. I um, am terrible at golf and also I hate it, but the analogy made sense. I learned, I'm like, I'm really good at like going to the golf course and like drinking on the golf course. Yeah. Not good at like the actual act of golf. The actual golfing. Yeah, I'm yeah. terrible at it too. So I, I only say that because it's an analogy that a lot of people understand, but I'm not good at golf. Whatsoever. No, it doesn't. Well, at least you're good at sales. So if you have to pick one of the two, <laughs> being good at that's, sales. That's true. That's true. Is there anything you learned at Simon or any that question comes out terribly without finishing? <laughs> Did you learn anything? No. Not Is really. there anything no. you <laughs> learned there, professors in that classes you took that have stuck with you in this role or things that you find yourself coming back to? Yeah. Um, I've always say this and, you know, one of the more there was a lot of obvious, um, you know, classes that I took that were extraordinarily helpful that were, um, you know, um, you know, Mitch Lovett's uh, uh, class, I forget what it was called, but it was- Advanced like, Marketing called... Strategy? Sure. It's great. Um, yeah, I mean, working working with Mitch and working on, on projects in that class was great. He was always a, a great guy to, to kind of talk to about um, projects and what to do after um, Simon. Um, I liked taking game theory. Um, I thought that that was very applicable to my career path now, just kind of getting an understanding, like going through contract negotiations and working with people on that, like what is really important and what isn't and how are you planning your next move? Um, but then also there was a, and I don't think this class exists anymore, but, uh, and I've mentioned him in the past, but Ron Schmidt's um, class was one of the more, most effective real life courses that I've taken. Um, Ron would, you know, assign four articles for us to read before every class and then just cold call the entire class and have people comment on the readings. Um, and what he would do is he would have a row of second year students um, taking notes throughout the entire class, but they would be ranking and scoring our responses um, and how well you responded to the question. Um, you either got a, a zero or up to five or up to three. You could even get a negative um, in, some, in certain responses. But it was, I believe it was like zero to three. Um, zero was great, you answered the question. One was you answered the question, made a point. And you know, if you got a three, it was you, you changed the direction of the conversation with your insight. Um, and those points got factored into your final, act, final grade. Um, so it was a lesson of just always being prepared before you walk into a room um, and, and not just being prepared with a statement, but being able to respond to questions in real time and offer in insight. Um, because anybody can repeat data, but it's when you are able to contribute to a conversation and move a project forward, that's real value. Um, and that was, was something that I think that you know, we took a lot from, and people would get amped up for that class. People would be like, all right, 
here are the readings. What are we talking about? Like, what did we have to cover? And da 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 da. And then like, we'd, we'd be sitting there ready and waiting for Ron to call on us. We're like, oh, I got a good one. <laughs> um, so we, that class was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun and terrifying. And he was a tough teacher. And just knowing that any word that came out of your mouth was going to affect your final score added to the, the excitement of it. But we, it was a class we had a lot of fun with. And then not only that, but after every class, the responses of everybody who spoke and the score was published and sent out to the class. Um, so everybody knew what, what, what a valuable comment was or was not. Um, and you could apply that to the next class. Um, so it was really, I thought it was the transparency of it all, the, the, of it all I thought was you know that was probably the best class I took assignment wow I'm now kind of bummed that class as an author that sounds fantastic um those are all great things so we've covered what you do now your time at Simon oh were you involved in anything at Simon it usually comes up earlier oh yeah um I was I was a an ambassador um I was on the marketing association um did I do anything else? Was there a, I think I was in like Lassos, um, mm -hmm. the Latin American Student Association of Simon. I know. Um, some I spent more time on than others. Um, I think that's pretty common. You know, folks want to load up their transcript with, uh, with activities and then I'll really only focus on one. Um, but uh, I think the most time I spent was with, uh, with the marketing association i planned the new york city fall trip um with a, a friend of mine erica messina she and i planned and coordinated it together um and and yeah um that was an ambassador so it was just a lot of fun to kind of you know sell the school to incoming um perspectives and um, you know, any visitors that came to campus um, from a, you know, a company standpoint, also like working with them to be able to, um, uh, to be able to give them a tour and stuff. This is my dog. He likes to pop in on Zooms. Hi, buddy. <laughs> this will just be audio. So they're just going to hear me <laughs> saying hi to a dog. Okay. Um, it's a really cute okay. dog. Just let the listeners know. Yeah, he's a good boy. Did he attend Simon with you or is he a post Simon? acquisition he's a he's a post simon acquisition so he uh he doesn't he doesn't work in spreadsheets or anything so he's okay <laughs> he's got a different skill set um so that's he, great. Yeah, he's not a he's not a quant pup it's okay um, we can't all have that um so who are you outside of simon is there anything that you are involved in that you'd like to share is there anything that you're like we did not talk about this but i need the people to know so for a lot of years, I was a coach. Um, for about eight years in New York City, I was a I was a, a volunteer lacrosse coach for inner city high schools. Um, I was on the board of a nonprofit called City Lax, um, and that was an effort to grow the game of lacrosse to underserved communities. So I would do a lot of fundraising to buy equipment for a school that did not have a lacrosse program. Then we'd donate it to the school. Uh, and then I would go 
in to the school on weekends over the winter and run lacrosse clinics for whomever wanted to show up. Um, and then I would also uh, coach a teacher on how to be a coach. Uh, and then, oh, I was a, I was a coach too at Simon. Uh, <laughs> um, and then I would, I would coach the teachers on how to be a coach. And then in the spring, they would have their season. So that way they had equipment and they had gone through two months of actual practices and learned the game before they had their first season so that they could kind of be set up for success. Um, I did that for about eight years. And in that time, the program that I was involved in, I was the, on the board and helped with fundraising, but I was also a coach, but I was also the volunteer coordinator. Boy. We probably had about like 40 volunteer coaches that would go to different high schools in the city. Um, and I would just make sure everybody was scheduled and going to the right uh, practices. Um, but in that time, I think we started about... 30 teams uh, in the state. So high schools that did not have programs then now have boys and girls across at their schools. Um, so that was, uh, that was a lot of fun. But then I, after, you know, after eight years of doing that, it was, I kind of wanted my weekends back. So I, I peeled yeah. away from that a bit. <laughs> no, that's great. Um, Thank you for sharing. Yeah. Um, and when I'm not doing that stuff, I, I do triathlons. Um, so I've done uh, I've done the Ironman twice, um, and I've done the half Ironman a couple times, and I've done Olympic distances a bunch of times. Um, so oh, you're nuts. That's like that's what I do to kind of keep myself honest, um, because I'm not motivated to go to the gym at all. <laughs> for any reason but if I have a race on the calendar and it's six months out and it's something that big then I know that I have to structure my days and weeks and months ahead of it to be able to achieve that goal so that keeps me motivated and keeps me structured and has me following you know routines and and uh, programs to be able to to do that so it's a it's been a, a really fun uh, hobby. Yeah, you're then crazy. I do it with some friends and we travel around and we do races in different locations and stuff. So it's a good way to kind of take a vacation when you could travel. Remember that? Um, yeah, and, uh, a <laughs> and see different places. Um, remember the world. Yeah. Wow. That's fantastic. When I travel, I just like to go and drink in a new city and explore a museum, but that's fine. You can go and do Iron Man. Yeah. Everyone has their uh, thing. <laughs> I uh you do a lot of that when the race is over um <laughs> there's a, okay. a lot of eating and drinking for for the week after the race um okay, so you start I, with the race and then you explore oh yeah absolutely you okay. can't then I can get on otherwise board it's a waste of a trip yeah otherwise it's a yeah. waste of a trip um I the last one I did was in Barcelona and I flew in got acclimated to like the time change, um, did the race and then was like drove across Spain and then into Portugal and then flew back. Um, so that was like a trip that was definitely worth it, but you start with the race and get that out of the way. Okay, that I'm much more on board with. Great city. I went there a couple summers ago and I would absolutely go back. 
still yeah, sounds iron definitely Man. a lot of fun that wouldn't get added to my itinerary but <laughs> like the city well, yeah they, they have a i had a good road crew uh, my college roommate and his wife flew there to cheer me on my dad and my sister flew there to cheer me on um and like we all you know celebrated afterwards and drank a lot of sangria and had a lot of tapas so it's uh, again it's a, an excuse for everybody to 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 make a trip what a giver you are providing yeah it's year. really it's, it really is <laughs> <laughs> you give and you give um uh, that is fantastic so i don't want to eat up too much of your time but i know one of the things we've all appreciated is your candidness on how to best reach out on linkedin i think that's actually how i met you was that new york networking day and you were giving a speech about that and i was like i have nothing to offer the world how do i reach out to people because at that point i really did have nothing to offer except some vague brand and product management experience and i could work a t-shirt cannon but i think you laid everything out really well i, I like that you said i was giving a speech where i would equate it to uh delivering a rant um oh it was a rant <laughs> i was just being polite um no it was a rant <laughs> above all else in the new york law school you uh, were ranting but i love a good I rant, rant so. i was ranting yeah um yeah i I think, you know, I obviously believe in LinkedIn because I work here. Um, I was I, I was on it years and years ago. Um, there's 720 million people on the platform right now. I think I was, I'm, I was definitely in the first million of adopters on the platform. Um, and that was just, you know, you can, you can see what date you signed on and where you kind of fall into that uh, range. Really? So it's a, yeah, you can. But uh, so I was, I've been on the platform forever. So I obviously very much believe in it. Um, and I believe in the effectiveness of it. And when I see people who are using it incorrectly, I want to help them use it correctly. Um, and it's a matter of how are you going to get the most out of the tool, but how are you going to get the most from the people you're reaching out to on the tool. Um, it's very cliche, but you know, a lot of folks get a lot of emails every day and how do you stand out and do so in a way that's personable and, and effective and that will yield the result. And again, that's from the type of experience I got from the, the conferences we went to, from the classes I learned from Ron and like, how do you, craft a, an effective three sentence email that's going to get your point across and it's going to leave an impression and it's going to deliver your goals uh, clearly. It's a hard thing to, it sounds very easy, but it's a hard thing to do right. Um, a lot of people think you're doing it by saying, can I get 10 minutes of your time to talk about your career? That's uh, not an email I would respond to because we're not going to cover anything in 10 minutes and you and I have been talking for 35 and it's been very high level. Um, so I think uh, just kind of helping people say like, what are your goals and what do you, what do you want to say and how do you stand out? Um, I, my advice to you was, I remember it like, you know, you said you have nothing to offer besides meat snacks and, and t-shirt cannons. And I said, if I got an email that mentioned the words meat snacks and t-shirt cannons, I would reply to that person. Um, don't be afraid of your 
unique experience or even lack of experience uh, because as long as it's uh, an honest note with an honest uh, with honest intent um, that's something that's going to impact somebody more than a very very general uh, polite and bland note um, so I think that that's something to kind of keep in mind as folks are outreaching or reaching out to, to folks that is nobody likes nobody likes boring um, nobody does <laughs> like boring so i'm just gonna keep yeah. telling people about meat snacks and t-shirt cannons um clearly works because we're here today but right <laughs> no that that is great so thank you we don't want to take too much of your time but is there anything else you would like to include is there anything you glossed over um no i mean i i think it's uh for folks who are um, at Simon, you know, make sure you're you're approaching your time there um, in an effective way. Um, I've gone on campus before and told students that if you're not um, setting up office hours, if you're not using the Career Center, if you're not networking with alumni as much as you can, um, it should be it should be like an additional class that you're you're taking. Um, if you're not doing that much work, then you're not getting enough out of the school. Um, you're not there to have the school hand you stuff. You're there to extract as much from the school as possible. And to do so, you need to do the squeezing. Um, so I think it's a matter of just understand that you need to demand uh, results and then you'll get them. So that's uh, an approach I, I took when I was there. Um, I was, you know, I was paying for the school I was not a full ride uh, student or anything like that. So I was making damn sure I got my money's worth while I was there. <laughs> that is a great way to I think folks should it. remember that. Like, yeah, yeah you're, you're paying for it. Uh, so you demand as much as you need from it. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. This has been great. Great. I'm glad that we're able to, to make a uh, podcast history. This is absolutely <laughs> podcast history. Thank you. <laughs> this episode of Marketing was brought to you by the University of Rochester's Simon Business School Marketing Association. Our catchy theme song was recorded by Robert Bach. The amazing editing was done by Andrew Datu. And I'm your host, Jenna Callen. On behalf of all of us here at Simon, thank you for joining us for another episode of Marketing. We'll see you next time. <laughs>